Hey, I'm back. Uh, Will, I don't know if, if Will's not ready to come back. We just had, oh my goodness, we had technical difficulties with the Wi-Fi that, that kicked us out. But uh, for those of you that do not know, my name is Andy Anas. Uh, Willie Gibson will be joining us shortly. And unfortunately, we're going to have to take over the show due to uh, Chris Gardner. He's had um, he's had health concerns come up with with his mom. So if you guys are, of course, uh, of the the you know the praying type, the religious type, you could certainly use a prayer and then be sure to to keep him and his mom in in your guys' thoughts as um, we will continue to push through the show and and hopefully we can keep you guys entertained for the moment. But Chris Gardner. Uh, not being able to join us. But today, obviously, of course, April 22nd, Friday that we are speaking, we're going to have a lot of NBA playoffs action. Currently, the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks uh, just tipped off a few minutes ago in Atlanta after the game was actually delayed due to a bomb scare. Uh, or not a bomb scare. Uh, well, it was because they had found a suspicious package um, outside of the State Farm or arena, and that caused the game to be delayed a few minutes. Um, obviously, of course, we're getting kind of into the middle of a lot of these series, and uh, I'm going to bring in Willie Gibson, and I, I don't think we can hear him. Will, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. I can't see you. Yeah, the video is – I'm not sure what's going on with the video. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I can hear you, sir. I can see and hear you. That is interesting. Yeah. Well, while we try, it might be. Uh, are you joining through your phone, through through no. computer? No computer. Same way I've, I've I've joined every every show. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that is interesting. But I guess we'll push through. Um, and you, you can join us through audio, so that that'll have to do for the time being. But Willie Gibson, how are you, sir? I'm well, man. How are you? I'm doing good as well. So obviously, of course, like like I mentioned in the intro, the the ongoing thing going right now is the NBA playoffs. Miami and Atlanta just tipped off a few minutes ago, and and Willie, they they were delayed a little bit for for a suspicious package that was found outside of the State Farm Arena. Um, which is is interesting. You don't see that every day, but fortunately, uh, everything was good, and they've been able to tip off um, as usual, just a few minutes delayed. But when you look across the NBA playoff landscape, obviously, of course, a lot of these series are starting to get into game three, game four. Um, they're starting to get into the midpoint. Uh, a couple of surprises uh, across the NBA playoff landscape. Which series to you has caught your eye, has maybe surprised you a little bit that, that you didn't expect going in? Yeah, um, before I do that, I, I want to echo your thoughts at the beginning. I, I heard them. I wasn't able to come on, but uh, definitely praying for KG and his mom um, that uh, all goes well and uh, she continues to improve. And I uh, just want to let him know that we're praying uh, for him and with him. Um, but the one that surprised me, um, probably Utah Dallas, because mm-hmm. without Luca, um, Jalen Brunson is, is, is cashing checks right now. Because uh, uh, upcoming free agent and Dallas, and not only just Jalen Brunson, but much credit due to Jason Kidd because he's taken, I mean, for uh, he's taken heat for his previous stops uh, in Brooklyn and and in Milwaukee as head coach. And granted, it's his first year in Dallas, but you got to give him you got to give him credit. 
to, to lose the players that he's lost in this series and then be up 2-1, uh, that's probably the surprise for me. Yeah, I would have to uh, agree, certainly, that that series, they, they haven't had Luka. And it, it, it certainly seems that the Jazz, uh, they have a lot of pressure just in terms of the, the years that they've, the consistency that they've been in the playoffs and they haven't been able to make that deep uh, playoff run. I mean, just going back to last season, uh, Kawhi Leonard gets injured against the Clippers in the second round and they end up losing that. I mean, that, that it certainly seemed like a lot of pressure was for them to be able to figure it out and finally – uh, make a deep run. And like you said, they are laying a massive egg uh, now down 2-1 to the Dallas Mavericks without, uh, obviously, of course, their best player in Luka Doncic. Uh, but when you look across some of these other series, Minnesota and Memphis, that that one, especially if you would have looked at the game just in the first half, I think that would have been one of the other series where you would have been really surprised uh, just in terms of how competitive and really how uh, dominant Minnesota looked. Now, give credit to Memphis because they made one heck of a rally uh, towards the end of that third quarter and into the fourth to to take control, take the not take control, but take the two one series lead and get home court advantage back from the Timberwolves. Uh, Will Will Gibson, what do you think about that series? And and uh, honestly, the the poise and determination that the Memphis Grizzlies had to show to to overcome a twenty six point deficit at home to the Timberwolves. And also, of course, well, we got to talk about the collapse from Minnesota. Yeah, um, I mean, kudos to, to Memphis. I mean, the, and it's not John Morant. I mean, John Morant missed, what, 23 games this year? And they yeah. went 21-2 while he was out. So it's not just John Morant. It's it's, it's Desmond Bain. It's um, it's the, the other players as well, Brandon Clark. You know, those those other players as well. So it's not just a, a one-man show in, in Memphis and Taylor Jenkins. And, you know, give him and his staff credit. Our former Buckeye, uh, Scooney Penn, is an assistant coach on that staff. So give that staff much credit for the not only the season that they've had, but keeping them engaged. I mean, you go down 26 is very easily, especially in a seven-game series, you go down 26 in game three on the road, it's very easy to pack it in and get ready for game four. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. They for they stuck they stuck with it. And for whatever reason, and then Barkley brought it up, and I won't say that they're dumb. He used the term they're a dumb team, but there's something to say when a team's on a 21-0 run and you don't call a timeout yeah. to stop the bleeding, so to speak. That that's kind of interesting to me. So I'm sure Chris Finch will learn from that, I hope. But uh, I think Memphis wins the series in five anyway. But that was interesting to me last night. No, for sure. And that, that was certainly a, a hot topic. And and those guys on inside the NBA certainly went in on, on just that run. And I think I, I, I'm not sure. I think I read it earlier this morning. But uh, the Timberwolves did eventually call timeout during that run, but I think it was the the officials. It was, it was kind of like a TV timeout that had to get taken. That's that's what they said in terms of uh, the Timberwolves might not even call the timeout when they did. And like you said, in that 21-0 run, uh, certainly a rookie mistake. And, and Chris Finch has been around a long time. He used to be an assistant uh, here for the Houston Rockets uh, a few years ago. So that was certainly a... a a big hammering point that though that the Timberwolves had to to go through after the game. I agree with you, especially uh, going into the season. I mean, give kudos to the Timberwolves, especially what they had they had to go through the plan to to get to this point. 
um, and and take the first game in that series in Memphis. And, and really, they made a, a big statement. But I think, like you said, that, that showed a lot of the inexperience, not only with the players, but, I mean, even with the coaching staff. And it'll be interesting to see for game four how they bounce back because, well, you picked them in, in five games. I could completely see that. That might be a breaking point for Minnesota where they had them on the ropes. They they had a chance to, to take a, a big, serious lead in t- two to one going into game four with all the pressure on Memphis as being the heavy favorites going into the series. And now that pressure is on Minnesota a little bit because they just blew a 26-point lead and, and – that, that's got to affect a lot of players psychologically and see how they can uh, bounce back. Now, obviously, one of the hottest series going into the postseason had to be Boston and Brooklyn over in the East Coast. And uh, the game one certainly delivered. Um, obviously, the stars are all over the place with Boston and Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And obviously, of course, Brooklyn has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And game one, like I said, did not disappoint. It came down to literally the last second. Uh, with Jason Tatum and that spin move layup that he had at the buzzer to to give Boston the two the one zero edge uh, set the tone to open that series and then game two uh, a little bit different where Brooklyn had uh, a lot of control and then Boston figured it out they had they made an adjustment and really in the fourth quarter they completely took over to take two uh, zero series lead in that one. Uh, well, do you think that well, one? Do you think Boston will hold off and win the series? And two, do you think it might be a shorter series than expected? Because especially after that game one, I, a lot of these players, it seemed like it was a consensus 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 that this is going to be a seven game series down the stretch. Um, and, and Boston, I think they showed a lot in game two and how they were able to control that fourth quarter. Yeah, I do think Boston wins the series. Um, it's interesting to me. Um, the others for Brooklyn, the the Gordon, the Gordon uh, Dragic, the uh, Claxtons, those Bruce Brown, those players have stepped up. You know, KD and 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 Kyrie, you expect to get theirs, and Kyrie did in Game One. He had thirty what thirty four, and in Game Two, it's just interesting to me. And, I, and and forgive me, give me a moment on my soapbox. KD goes four for seventeen, over ten in the in the second half. And it's kind of poo-pooed. Eh? And he's standing flat-footed while his man scores the game-winning layup in game one. I offer, if that was LeBron James that went four for 17 in a playoff game, oh, my. Oh, my. The pundits would be having a field day. But because it's KD, it's like, ah, ah, ah. So that, that 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 right there. Now that being said, I expect him to come out blazing tomorrow night in Game Three at home. You know, I mean, he's KD for for I mean, for all intents and purposes. You know, people call him the best player in the game, and I think he's going to come out and have something to say. Um, what's interesting to me about Brooklyn is they're playing Ben Simmons in Game Four. Yeah, and if they lose Game Three tomorrow night, which I don't know. I don't know that they will or not. That's kind of interesting that you're bringing a player back who, one, hasn't played in 10 months, two, documented with his challenges with his mental health, bring him back in an elimination game? That's kind of interesting to me. I don't know, Andy. What what are your thoughts? No, I absolutely agree, and I think it's – it's a rather interesting situation regardless uh, when you see it because um, that game four, it, it's either going to be, like you said, a 2-1 uh, 
deficit, it'll be a pivotal game regardless because obviously if it's 2-1, Brooklyn's going to be trying to, to even up the series. Or like you said, if it's a 3-0 deficit they're, that they are facing, they're going to be trying to starve off elimination. And the last time that anyone saw Ben Simmons on an NBA court, it was for Philadelphia um, with the the all the, the scrutiny that had come from uh, their struggles against the Atlanta Hawks and, and really a, an upset that the Hawks had over the Philadelphia Sixers a year ago. And, and obviously, of course, throughout this entire season, those struggles were documented. I mean, that was a big uh, – before he got traded, that was one of the big things that – uh, ben Simmons, or at least it was being reported, it was one of the big reasons why Ben Simmons wasn't playing for Philadelphia in terms of uh, a mental health and, and how he was trying to get right mentally. And it, it just seems so strange where, first of all, if, if he is on track to play in game four, why wouldn't they just play him in game three? Um, obviously, of course, now it's, it's the back issues. I'd imagine if he's good enough to play uh, when it's game four, their game four, I'd imagine, will be Monday. Monday. I guess that extra day will really make a difference. But I imagine if he's good enough to play game four, he, he might be able to play game three. Um, but certainly all around, it's it's weird because he's going to be put in a high-pressure situation regardless. And now I think uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, before the, the tip of the Hawks in the heat, he mentioned that at most he probably play around 10 to 15 minutes, which, I mean, that, that makes sense, especially for the amount of time that he's missed. Um, but certainly it's going to be a weird situation regardless of it, that they're going to choose to bring him in. Yeah, and, and kind of under the radar a little bit, Robert Williams for Boston is coming yeah. back. So that's an extra body that, I mean, they've been beating KD up. I mean, breaking him through, Horford, elbows to the chest, he's running through. They're not letting him get the clean looks. They're not letting him get clean passes. So... Robert Williams, I think, is going to play a pivotal role as well. You know, Ben Simmons, of course, coming back from Brooklyn, but but uh, Robert Williams from Boston is that's going to be a huge, huge pickup uh, for them. And well, on the topic of Boston and Brooklyn, we got to we got to mention Kyrie Irving and kind of the the shenanigans that went on in Game One and into Game Two. Obviously, anytime that Kyrie Irving's back in Boston. Uh, since he left and joined the Nets, it has been uh, it's certainly been one of the most crazy atmospheres. Obviously, the, the kind of the controversy that happened off of game one was Kyrie Irving and a lot of salutes he was giving a lot of the fans in Boston. Uh, is there any thoughts that you'd like to say about that? Do you feel that, I mean, is Kyrie Irving in the wrong? Is it is It, it is what it is? Uh, I believe it was Charles Barkley that said um, Kyrie Irving was too soft in terms of letting the crowd get to him. What say you? Yeah, um, I'm probably probably an unpopular opinion, and I'm probably the minority in this. But I mean, everyone talks about the player has to be bigger. Where do fans draw the line? I mean, yes, you brought your ticket. Yes, you're there to root for your team and boo the other team. Man, booing out. I don't think any player across the board, across the league, has an issue with somebody booing them. But when you cross the line and say some of the things that Kyrie reported had that were set to him and directed his way. I mean, enough is enough. I mean, at what point do you say, and it is interesting that those fans say that there, but if they were to see him outside TD Gardens Arena, I'm sure they'll be asking for an autograph. By yeah. no means would they be saying those things at that time. So, um, yeah, you, yeah, you, you like for somebody to say, oh yeah, be the bigger person, overlook it, things like that. But enough is enough. At a certain point, I mean, 
anybody is going to respond to the negative comments that are, are directed towards them. And he did. I mean, the $50,000 fine, I mean, Kyrie, eh, I mean, $73 to the average American is what I heard. So that's not really, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Would you like him not to? Probably, sure, yeah. Yeah, it's not the best look, but I don't fault him or blame him. I mean, he's human. Everybody has their, their, you know, their breaking point. And, you know, somebody says, well, you know, uh, if you know that you shouldn't let your, you shouldn't let yourself be triggered. Well, it's easier said than done when it's not you, you know, you know, so yeah, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, you know, bad PR probably, but yeah. No, absolutely, for sure, and, and I tend to agree with you. I mean, to be honest, it adds a, uh, it, it adds a lot of uh, intrigue in terms of that storyline. It certainly seems like Kyrie Irving has been able to uh, embrace, uh, for, for lack of a better analogy or word, kind of that villain role. And and I mean, my goodness, he was he was giving him a, he was giving him problems in game one. It seemed like he couldn't miss. He hit a, a lot of clutch shots. Uh, to be honest, I, I thought he might have hit uh, one of the daggers uh, late in the fourth quarter. Um, he hit a big three. I think that was the the initial shot. Um, I can't remember if it put them up by by more than than two or three, or it might have been a go ahead bust uh, basket uh, before Jason Jason Tatum's game winner. But I mean, he was he was killing Boston, and it certainly adds a lot of flavor. Like you said, Will, I I tend to agree, especially um, like you said, what have been has been reported that that they've you know thrown insults at Kyrie Irving, uh, thrown derogatory terms at him at. at at a certain point, there comes a breaking point for everyone, and albeit Kyrie Irving is it's the one dude that that seems to not care, <laughs> for the lack of a better word. Uh, there's there's certainly a stronger phrase you could say, but he's certainly the the perfect player to be able to be put in that situation, and um, it doesn't really seem like it's bothered him that much now. Uh, the series turns to Brooklyn, uh, like we mentioned, the game three of that series will be on Saturday. That's the prime time slide again. Do you think Brooklyn fights back and, and wins game three, game four, or how do, you, how do you think this series ends up going? Yeah, I would love – I think they do. I, I can't imagine – man, I think KD plays better at home. And I mean, mm-hmm. based on that, yeah, I do think I do think Brooklyn does win uh, game two – or, sorry, game three and make it a 2-1 series. But – Probably hedging my bet a little bit. I'm not. I'm Udoka. He's he's yeah. pushing the buttons. Whatever it is he's doing, is working, and it's been working since first of the year, first of the, the beginning of the new year. So I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked if if Boston goes up three zero. But it, I probably I do expect Brooklyn to win uh, Saturday night. Absolutely, and major kudos to him because Boston started off the gates. They certainly struggled to to kind of find an identity, but once they found it, they they flipped the switch and and they've been on another level, like you said. Certainly since the calendar uh, turned to to the new year, but uh, staying in the East, I think uh, when you look at this series, uh, honestly, no surprise what Philadelphia has been able to do to Toronto. Um, Philadelphia, <laughs> Joel Embiid, my God, um, it, it's absurd what he was able to do in Game Three and and really will the 76ers over over the Raptors in that overtime performance. I mean, you have him. I remember before the, the – it was a final shot uh, before the game went to overtime. 
you have Joel and B taking a step back three for the game winner, which at first, I mean, that's a big man. You you think about it. I'm like, why, why, why is he settling for, for that shot? And then come overtime and give credit to Doc Rivers because he drew up a similar play where they had less than a second left on the shot clock. He comes down off the screen, turns around and, and nails the game winner. And he's just been on another level in this series. Um, and really uh, he's getting a chance to, to kind of exercise any, any, demons that he might still have from that 2019 playoff series when Kawhi Leonard uh, sent them packing in the second round. But uh, any thoughts on this series now that Philadelphia's up 3-0? I'd imagine even if they, they don't get the sweep in game four, they certainly would be heavy favorites to close it out in five. Um, has there been any surprise in this series or any thoughts on Joel Embiid's dominance? Yeah, the surprise for me is Tyrese Maxey because, I mean, with 38 in game one, um, and I know James Harden is on that team, but Tyrese Maxey has has played the co-star to Joel Embiid. He's been the Robin to Joel Embiid's Batman, and um, that's the surprise to me. Embiid, I expected him to do what he's doing. I mean, that's, I mean, for me, he's the MVP of the league this year. So that's what you expect your MVP to do, and he's been doing that. So. I'm not really surprised by him, but I'm surprised by and I'm not surprised by Philly being up 3-0, but I am surprised at uh, Tyrese Maxey and his performance so far. Sure. And and when you look at Philadelphia, they're certainly in a in an interesting uh situation. You'd imagine if, if they do take care of business and close out of the series, which um just for the record, no team in, in NBA history has ever been able to overcome the three oh deficit. Um and I guess we could provide a scoring update uh, right now. Miami and Atlanta still in the first quarter, but Miami has a slight edge. Um, I guess we could kind of segue into that series. Atlanta, Miami, do you do you feel Miami's up to all? Well? Um, do you feel like Miami has that series under wraps? And if so, well, we'll start with Miami. Do you feel like Miami uh, can close out the Hawks? They're already up to all well and, and currently playing game three in that series. I do. I do think Miami can close out. I mean, Jimmy Butler has been – doing Jimmy Butler things. Um, 45 in game, I guess game two uh, the other night. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I don't think Atlanta has enough. I know they had some injuries um, earlier in the year and, and now Capella's out for for them, but I, I do think Miami um, has that series under control and, and it's gonna close them out, maybe even uh, Sunday in the sweep perhaps. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think Miami, like you said, especially. I mean, honestly, give credit to the Hawks because they again they had to go through the playing and and Trey Young really helped lifted uh, the Hawks in the playing tournament. Uh, obviously, of course, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, but would you have anything you'd like to say about that playing game and then what Trey Young was able to do against the Cavs uh, in the winner take all game a few a week ago? Yeah, um, injuries again. I mean. Uh... Cleveland, before the injuries hit, Cleveland was high as, as high as the four seed in the East. And then uh, Evan Evan Mobley missed some time. Uh, Jared Allen uh, broke his finger. And actually, Friday night, the playing game was his first game back. He had missed 19 games uh, with a broken finger. So he was back. Darius Garland had dealt with a back pretty much all year and kind of was running on fumes. You know, that's why you know, Rondo was there, and he – I don't want to say he didn't 
uh, fulfill his purpose. Uh, but he, they needed, they need a, a true backup point guard, and that's one of the things Kobe Altman talked about in this this season in the press conference uh, Tuesday that they're looking for that point guard to to take some of the heavy lifting off of, of Darius Garland. Uh, that being said, um, Cleveland, what they lost by six. Trey went for 32 in the second half. I mean, they're a young team that grew. Actually, actually, that was the best case scenario for 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 the Cavs because I had a, a media colleague of mine, and he said it from the beginning. Like, look, look, the Cavs need to lose the playing game. I'm like, what are you talking about? This young team needs to go to the playoffs. They need that experience. But he said no, and he reminded me, and, and it made sense as soon as he said it. And I remembered they traded their first round pick to Indiana for Karis LeVert, but it was lottery protected. So it was the best of both worlds. They played two playing games per se. Those are playoff games, but by them not winning, they still hold on to their first round pick in the 22 draft. And this team needs another piece. They need a wing. They need a shooter that's going to take the pressure off of Darius Garland. They need the backup point guard, which you're going to get probably in free agency. But that draft pick right now, they're they're scheduled to draft 14 before the lottery, and special things happen for the Cavaliers and in, in, in the NBA draft lottery. I'm just saying. So I'll I'll leave that there. <laughs> they they're scheduled to draft 14, but who's to say they won't jump up in the top three? And if they do, if they do. Young man in Purdue, uh, Jaden Ivey, that could potentially be in Cleveland. If not, they stay at 14. The young man in, uh, from Kansas is talked about. He's even talked about Cleveland as a place that he would like to be, which gives everyone up here pause. Like, wait a minute, people are wanting to come to Cleveland now again. And by the way, LeBron's not here. So, okay. Yeah, to have players speak of Cleveland so glowingly post-LeBron is, I mean, definitely a page has been turned. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. No, for sure. And, and man, well, if Cleveland ends up getting into, the, like, whether it be the top five or top three from the 14th spot, that, I don't know, Dan Gilbert, some of the organization, they, they got a, I don't know what they're using for luck, but – that would be one one incredible story. And obviously, of course, on the topic of the Cavaliers and the draft, um, even if they end up with the 14th pick, uh, I mean, there's still players, diamonds in the rough set that can be selected with those picks. I mean, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, those were some of the players that came 13th and 14th just a couple of seasons ago. So even then, like you said, uh, getting that experience, they got to play against Brooklyn in the first playing game. And, and I mean, like you said, they got to taste a road playoff atmosphere and a home playoff atmosphere atmosphere and, and they're going to get to keep their lottery pick so certainly when you look at it at that angles um it turned out to be uh, like you said the best of both worlds for the cleveland cavaliers now um i'm gonna end up reading it back in because what what i was trying to get to was so we both said miami philadelphia they end up winning their respective series that would mean that miami and philly faces in the conference semifinals um and just off that matchup and i know we still have a couple of more series to go who would you give the, the edge to because like i said miami's coming in as a number one seed in the east uh they've been consistent for most of the season and like you said jimmy Butler always seems to, to kind of find an extra year in the postseason 
Now, like you mentioned, Joel Embiid is playing at an elite level. Uh, James Harden, for the most part, hasn't necessarily been, uh, at least in terms of how he played in Houston, that scorer. I think he's starting to become a much more of a facilitator, and every now and then he shows flashes. But do you think, when it comes to that matchup, that that a lot of it's going to depend on the other players? Because we know what Jimmy Butler and Embiid provide, but it's going to be on, on, honestly, maybe what, what James Harden gives the 76ers. Oh, without question, I believe that's why he's there because you know he he's going to have to. I, don't, I know you, I know you're in Houston, but I, I just I don't see Judge Harden producing in the playoffs. I've seen him too many times buckle under playoff pressure. I mean, against San Antonio, as I said, to think about it for years back, mm-hmm. he just buckled last year, or was it last year? Two years in the bubble against the Lakers, he just buckled. Yeah. And so, it's, I don't. I mean, I, I I don't gain pleasure in saying this. I hope he does produce, but history tells me he won't. So, and you have Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo. I mean, Jimmy Butler has his ducks in a row. I mean, and yet you have uh, Thibault and and Tobias Harris and Danny Green and. And Maxi for Ed B, but I, it's James Harden. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and and for what it's worth, I'm I'm sure once once the playoffs, you're gonna have a much more locked in Harden. But at least whenever he he was in Houston, Miami was in Miami was not necessarily uh, the best places for him to be able to play in. Uh, but obviously, of course, those were regular season, and and that might have been for for various factors. But like you mentioned, some of those uh, playoff shortcomings, especially uh, more early on towards his tenure in his career, just going back to even as far as twenty fifteen and that elimination game in the conference finals against the Warriors, uh, where he ends up setting uh, a record in turnovers in the elimination game. And like you mentioned, I think that that San Antonio's first game back in twenty seventeen was certainly uh, certainly the the. The, the key game when you think of a lot of, you know, especially from a national perspective where uh, Harden's had that label attached to him where he just can't produce when, when the chips are all on the table and, and it's, it's winner go home and he has to produce. Um, that has been the case. And even like you mentioned in the bubble, um, there were times, especially after um, as the series progressed and, and the Lakers got much more um, engaged and much more, confidence might not be the best word, but it looked at times where Harden was just zoned out, certainly the later on, later on in that series. Um, and even last year in Brooklyn against, you know, against the Bucks on credit, he was battling uh, the hamstring injury, but it, it certainly seems like um, if you look at the historic trend, I tend to agree, uh, albeit when it comes to, to Miami as the number one seed, I, we'll, we'll get into this later on in the show, but I, I don't think they should be uh, the, the favorite team in the Eastern Conference. I agree when it comes to Philly, they probably have the edge, but I think another team in the East, uh, it's at least in my book, uh, I'd have pick for luck in the finals. But let's go back and, and finish the final matchup in the East, and that's Milwaukee and Chicago. Uh, a bit of an interesting turn of events in game two when, when the Bulls were able to stun the Bucks and, and even up that series one game apiece. Uh, Kudos to DeMar DeRozan, who ended up setting a new career high in the postseason, especially him. He's one of the those other players, especially when you look back at his time in Toronto, where he kind of had that label of not being able to produce in the playoffs. Now, granted, a lot of those Raptors team, they were pl- running into those Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. Um, but 
I mean, he struggled in game one. And I'm referring to DeRozan, and he came and showed out in game two. And that's certainly going to be interesting because this, this was a lot of this was a series where a lot of people were just picking a, a clean sweep for the Bucks. Yeah, I was too. I was. I was one of them because, but the the, the Chris Middleton injury now throws a mm-hmm. whole uh, throws a curveball to to cross reference sports in this in this series because him being out two weeks, he's out for the rest of the series. So, Ed, when he if if Milwaukee was to eliminate the Bulls, and he does come back at what. At what capacity? I mean, he's coming off a sprained MCL. You know, he's, I don't know that he'll be 100% until the end of the playoffs. So getting him back, yes, but at what at what role is he going to be able to produce? And by the way, I did pick Milwaukee is my pick to come out of the East, of course, prior to this injury. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, and 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 the Bulls kind of, you know, they kind of tread water throughout the the second half of the season, I think at one point they were like 7-15 and 15 after the All-Star break. Yeah. But they got Patrick Williams back. They got uh, Zach Levine Levin back. DeRozan's doing what DeRozan's been doing the entire year. Now, Lonzo won't be back, but Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso and Kobe White. That, but that, that guard combination is, is going to do something special, I think, for Chicago. Now, I still pick Milwaukee to win it. But without Chris Middleton, it's going to be a little shaky. But I think Bobby Portis and uh, the, the, the other uh, reserves, uh, I see his face. He just got there. He's with the Clippers. Uh, Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka. Yeah. You know, Lopez as well. I think they, I think they may have enough to, to get over the, the hump and, and, and eliminate the Bulls. No, and, and you hit all the points in the uh, right uh, on the mark when when it comes to, to what the Bulls have been able to have in production in terms of the others. I mean, you mentioned Alex Caruso. He's certainly a player that was missed uh, this past season for the Los Angeles Lakers. And wouldn't he have made, uh, maybe not necessarily that in terms of getting the Lakers from what they finished just out of the bubble in 11th, but certainly a key piece that, that um, you don't never know, a game here, a game there. Might be a difference for them, and he certainly showed out early, especially in that game two in the playoffs. Just all the intangibles he brings to the table, and and every time he plays, you'll notice him just because of the hustle and, and how hard he plays. And and the good thing about Caruso, he's not afraid to take any big shots, and then that's uh, that's what you like from those other players. And like you mentioned, uh, it's a good learning experience for for Zach Levine. I believe this is his first postseason run. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, I mean, he's. Not necessarily when you think of the the high end all stars top tier players, but he's been in the playoffs before with, with the Magic, um, albeit not necessarily any any deep playoff experience in terms of runs, but he's had um, experience and then he's been able to to show out here and there against the Bucks. So I, I agree with you. I think this series turns a lot more interesting without Chris Middleton. I think the Bucks still, like you said, still have enough to be able to get over the hump. Now, I think where that really hurts them is when they run into the next series, uh, regardless of it's Brooklyn or it's Boston. We both think that it, it will be Boston, but I think that's where the Bucks are going to run into uh, significant trouble. But before we get into, into those, that possible series, we'll finish with the West because so the Bucks don't have Chris Middleton. The Phoenix Suns are no longer going to have Devin Booker, and that's going to be a big piece for them. And, and similar to this Bucks bull series, 
the Pelicans went in and they stole game two. And speaking of another former Laker, Brandon Ingram has been uh, phenomenal in his first playoff run uh, for the Pelicans, especially in game two. Uh, from that series, with Booker out, does the do you see the scoring load have to be more on Chris Paul or is it more on the others? Because you have Chris Paul, you have DeAndre Ayton. I guess you'd imagine in a perfect world, the Suns have enough to be able to get past the Pelicans. But, I mean, give credit for the New Orleans. They've held their own even in game one and game two. It took in, in game one, it took a, a, a huge, a huge flurry from Chris Paul early in the fourth quarter to really be able to create some separation from the Pelicans. So they fought Phoenix well in these first two games. They have. And credit to, man, people in Cleveland won't believe I'm saying this, but credit to David Griffin. Because <laughs> that CJ McCollum trade is paying huge dividends. And 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 for that matter, kudos to, to Adam Silver and the league office for creating the playing tournament. Because if the traditional playoff format was in place and only the top eight were going, there's no reason for New Orleans to make that trade. But they were in the 10th, 11th spot. They figured they had enough to, to get in to the playing tournament. Um, it is uh, phenomenal, that trade. And Larry Nance Jr. as well. He's been playing. Another ex-Laker. Yeah, another ex-Cav. Another, another ex-Cav as well. Um, that trade, I think, has allowed... Brandon Ingram to do what he's been doing the last few games because he's always been on that edge, but now you have that veteran, that CJ McCollum who's been there, maybe not won a title, but he's been in the playoffs every year of his career. And to continue and to now be the vet on that young team, I mean, he's, I think that that trade is paying huge, huge dividends. Now, Saying all that, I still think Phoenix wins the series. Um, I do. I really do. I think, yeah, I said all that to say I still think Phoenix wins the series. I think uh, with Booker out, uh, Cameron Johnson has to step up huge. He has to step up huge. Bridges, you know, he's the defender, but he has to step up huge. So not to put it all on Chris Paul to answer your question, I think it's the others. The Aiden really hasn't done much. Ronald Tunis is kind of taking him out of the equation, but you take a Cameron Johnson, you take a, a, a Mikael Bridges, you take, I mean, even Cameron Payne, you know, he stops dancing, but that's another story, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think Phoenix has enough to, to, to advance. Cameron Payne and his dancing is going back all the way to, to his Oklahoma City days. He hasn't been able to stop well. Um, but I, I agree. I think Phoenix has enough to be able to get over the hump. And now, like you said, that's kudos to the Pelicans who, who had to go through the Spurs. They had to go through, um, to get into the play-in tournament. Um, did they have to play the Spurs? Because they finished 10th. I, I'm blanking in. They did. Uh, they played the Spurs. They played the Spurs. And, um, and then they, they beat had the to... Spurs and then they beat the Clippers. Right, right, right. That's right. Because the Clippers lost to, to Minnesota. To that's right. Yeah. So yeah, like you mentioned, they would have finished tenth, and you no, know, like you said, I mean, for the most part, they were. And when they made that trade, I believe they they were out of the top ten. They were they were behind Los Angeles, 
um, during that run. And like you said, credit to them now, albeit with the Pelicans, and this this is where they become a much interesting team going forward. Um, they're playing without Zion, and um, there's been a lot of rumors and speculation and a whole bunch of stuff in terms of I mean, does Zion does he want to play for the Pelicans? Um, is he gonna play? Uh, and not not necessarily in this series, but the long term, uh, in terms of wanting to play for the franchise. And I think, uh, regardless of whether the reports and and how accurate they are, I think the Pelicans have done a really really nice job of being able to, like you said, give credit to to David Griffin and and just the roster that they've been able to to create, especially after um, having to trade away. Um, Anthony Davis a few seasons back and they, they've certainly done a nice job of rebuilding and even I think they're at a spot where even if say worst case scenario for them happens with, with Zion Williamson and he really does want out I think they'd be in a perfect position to be able to maybe go out and, and trade for um, another key piece and, and contend that way what say you? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. The national media has everyone going to the Knicks. They have Zion Williamson <laughs> wanting to play with the Knicks. They have um, Donovan Mitchell yeah. wanting to play for the Knicks. So it's like the Knicks can't have everyone. Yeah, it's New York, but they, I mean, they, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I think New Orleans, I think I think the the tide has turned and the culture has changed. With C, I bring him up again, C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCullough, you know, selfishly, I, I'll say uh, an Ohio guy, a Clinton Kitchen Glen Oak guy. I uh, grew up probably uh, 20 minutes away from my hometown, a Northeast Ohio kid. Uh, his He, I won't say alone, but he's gone a long way of changing their culture. He's the veteran that came in. He's, he was sending his back as far back as February when he first got there. When they were in 12th place, 12th place, this team's going to the playoffs. I can't wait to see what we do when we get to the playoffs. He didn't say play-in. He said playoffs. And that mentality began to take over that locker room. And now you're seeing, I mean, what was it? Was it Wednesday night? He just, Brandon Ingram, I think Willie Green said there was like a four or five-minute stretch where he didn't say a word because he just saw Brandon Ingram taking over. And I think that's a direct result of, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram always has always has had the talent, but now you have that veteran there showing the way, leading the way, not overbearing, taking over, but being that example, getting in his ear, telling him things. And now, not this year, and with Zion back, watch out. And with the Lakers, how ironic is that the they have the Lakers first round pick this year, and it's a lottery pick. Yeah. So. This team is, watch out. No, absolutely. And I think it's certainly, uh, it's been a change of mentalities in terms of what, when you look at teams that are in that position, they're in a tough spot. They could very easily not make the trade for CJ McCollum and, and honestly, maybe gone in full tank mode to try to get a higher pick. And like you mentioned, when it comes to, they're going to, they knew they were going to have the Lakers pick. And maybe that mentality changes where you see a lot of teams when they're in a similar spot go the other way. And I think the Pelicans, as, and especially um, a lot of it depends on what they, how they grow and what happens going forward in, in the coming seasons. But uh, this is going to be valuable playoff experience for regardless of whether they beat Phoenix or wherever their run ends. Uh, it's going to be valuable for guys like Brandon Ingram, 
um, surrounding players, albeit again, Zion's not there. But even going back to what you said about CJ, when he first got there, I think that there there had been something that was said in terms of, you know, Zion wasn't on the bench or he wasn't speaking. I can't remember what exactly it was, but then, you know, uh, a few days later, Zion Williams in his front and center, he's uh, just being a part of the team. And like you said, that's certainly a big um, difference that, that CJ McCollum, just the impact that he was able to make uh, before, quite frankly, it didn't involve anything in terms of on the court. And now, um, when it comes to the playoffs, you're seeing the Pelicans have that growth, and that's going to be invaluable experience going forward, regardless of what happens in the series that they're going to be able to to learn from going forward. Because now you're seeing a lot of these players, um, like you mentioned, Larry Nance, where they're they're getting that experience, and I think it's going to be a, a big, big key for the Pelicans going forward. Now, when it comes to the final first round series that, that we have yet to touch on, and that's Golden State and Denver. Uh, the Warriors went up 3-0 in that series on Thursday. Um, get, give credit to, to Nikolai Jokic and the the what he's been able to do in the series, but it, it certainly seemed from, from the get-go that, honestly, the, the Nuggets just looked outmatched when it comes to the Warriors. And big ups to Jordan Poole, who has been sensational in this series. I mean, they've had the luxury of having Stephen Curry coming off the bench, which is just absurd when, to, to even think about those words coming out of my mouth. But They've had that luxury because Jordan Poole has been just that dang good. And and you look at – they've finally been able to have Clyde Thompson back. He's certainly been able to to improve as the season progressed. And, you know, Draymond Green was a key piece that, that missed a lot of season. That's really when you saw the Warriors kind of regress a little bit and starting to, to drop a lot of games. And now that they have their four together, uh, quite frankly, you look at the West now that Devin Booker's out, and we don't know how long that, that injury will be. But I think – the Warriors have a legitimate case to be favored to, to come out of the West. Let's say you would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, far be it from me to give credit to a Wolverine here in old Columbus town. But, <laughs> I mean, Jordan Poole, I mean, what can you say? I mean, Bob Myers, I mean, kudos. We talked about David Griffin, but Bob Myers, he, I mean, he did it with uh, Kayvon Looney. He did it uh, with some free agent signings uh, a few years back, but he did it again with Jordan Poole. I mean, late first-round pick, and this kid's come in and been nothing short of spectacular. He, I mean, Damian Lee, the other free agent signings, but Jordan Poole, and he just waited his time. He just waited his turn, and now he's been unleashed, and I mean, there's no turning back now. And you said stuff coming off the bench. I mean, that's – but, you know, that being said, I mean, Denver is, is Jokic and who else? I mean, there's no perimeter. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jamal Murray missed the season, and you know, there were talk. There was talk maybe he he would try to come back this series, but at this point, there, there's no need. There's no reason. Um, you know, I think it's you know one, two, three, Cancun on Saturday night, <laughs> and you know, gone fishing and and all that jazz. No, no pun intended. But yeah, I, I, yeah. But now I will say, how that being said. Um, looking ahead to the second round, Golden State Memphis is going to be interesting. That's going to be mm-hmm. interesting because yeah, that's going to be interesting. No, yeah, it's certainly just when you look at the matchup standpoint. Certainly, the Grizzlies have uh, much more versatility and much more of the personnel to be able to to keep up with the Warriors. To be quite frank, that's that's something that Denver has not been able to do. And when you Think about the Warriors, and they've really been able to get back to 
uh, pre-KD roots and, and that offense that, that Kerr and, and his coaches run where there's a lot of ball movement and a lot of uh, off-the-ball running, and that, that's really been able to give the Nuggets problems. When you look at Memphis, they're certainly a lot more athletic, a lot more uh, equipped to be able to, to keep up with them. And, and certainly um, when you look at Memphis, they, they have John Morant, but they have uh, the luxury of a lot more players that can step up. And, I mean, just look at, at game three, um, and, and I believe it's, it's Brandon Clark, correct, in terms yep. of, of what That's he was able to do against the Timberwolves. Um, uh, be it when it comes to experience, when it comes to been there, done that, that core of the Warriors, I think that that if in that series, if they were to meet, um, that would be the, the biggest difference maker, especially when, yeah, right now, Curry's coming off the bench. You'd imagine now <laughs> that'd be something else that they, they keep him off the bench for the rest of the playoffs. You'd imagine eventually he will get back in that starting role. Um, and if I had to pick between the two, I, I'd pick Golden State. Uh, will would say you. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, I, I do. I agree. I think, you know, this was just a, a experiment to get Steph back acclimated, you know, coming off that, that foot injury, you know, so I think second round he does return to the starting lineup. Um, I know Clay wasn't there, but last year in the play-in, Memphis beat Golden State at Chase Center to claim the eighth seed. So, yeah. you know, they have that knowledge. They have that experience of beating the Warriors. Now, it's not four out of seven. And, again, Clay wasn't there, but I don't know. I don't know. This, this, this Memphis team, I, I saw them without John Morant, beat Brooklyn by, like, 20. And KD and Kyrie combined for, like, 75. And Memphis still beat them by 20. So I'm not so quick to count them out. Uh, it'll be a good series, but I, I know Golden State has the rings. They have the experience, yes, but... Something about this Memphis team. I'm I'm not I'm not so ready just to 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 just give it to Golden State off the top. It'd be a good series. So you have a much more of a of a toss up. You're not ready to call one way or the other. No, not yet. If I'm leaning, I'm leaning Memphis. Truth be told, Ooh. yeah. If I'm leaning, I'm leaning Memphis. Interesting. And, and in terms of the other series in the West. Um, we both agreed that the Phoenix can get through. Um, I, I think we both agree in terms of Dallas being able to beat Utah. Um, when it comes to Phoenix and Dallas, uh, I, I, if Dallas is able to hold it off, um, and, and that'll be interesting to see if Luka Doncic comes back in, against Utah in that series. But if they can hold off the Jazz, I'll be that series so far from over. And then Phoenix and Dallas and, and Devin Booker, that injury is obviously going to be uh, worthy of, of monitoring, but uh, who give, I guess this will be the interesting thing. In a perfect world, if they're, say, Booker's able to come back, who who are you giving the, the edge in that series? Uh, the, if, if Booker comes back, it's Phoenix, without question. But I think the, the interesting thing for me is the more Dallas wins without Luka is bonus for him because it gives him more time to get healthy because uh, you don't want to rush him back off that calf strain. I mean, I'm quite sure if they were down uh, 2-0 last night, Luca probably would have played. But the fact that they had a split and they won 
the fact that they're up 2-1 now, I don't expect to see Luka for game four. There's a reason to, because it's the best case scenario. If you lose and you go down, if you go back home tied 2-2, that's two or three more days that you give Luka to get ready and you, you bring him back game five at home. But the fact that you're that you're up to one, and I'm seeing some, I won't say fractures. I see pure cracks in Utah. Uh, someone sent me some footage. Our, our our friend AJ Jones sent me some footage from the Utah huddle last night. Daniel House. Yeah. I, I literally saw it before going on. Uh, yeah, going yeah, that's uh, yeah. So the fact that you're seeing that. And there's already been questions about Utah. If they don't get it done this year, Quinn Snyder goes to the Lakers. They blow the team up. <laughs> Again, Donovan Mitchell goes to the Knicks. Rudy Gobert goes somewhere else. I mean, so, I mean, and, and uh, Danny Ainge is there for a reason. And I think that's real low key. That move was not a lot of fanfare given. Not, not a lot of fanfare was given to that, that signing of Danny Ainge to the front office in, in Utah. But, I think house is going to be clean, no pun intended. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the more Dallas wins without Luka, that's just bonus for them the remainder of the playoffs because that gives them more time to get as healthy as he can before he comes back. Agreed. And uh, as we're we're kind of approaching the the five minute mark, um, one of the things that that we're on standby and and. Will, this will be interesting. This is more of an American athletic conference. Uh, I guess you can factor in the Big 12 in there. Uh, one player, former former SMU player, Kendrick Davis, is set to announce what school he's going to commit to in, in just under five minutes. So and that'll be something we'll keep an eye on. Um, but um, so we, we have... I guess let, let's go with our final four. Who do you have going to the conference finals in both the East and the West? And, and I'll go first. And then this is obviously, of course, there's factors with, with the Bucks and Chris Middleton. And obviously, of course, Phoenix with Devin Booker and, and even the Mavericks with, with Doncic and, and how how you know close to 100% he is when he does return. Um, I, I'm going to say um, this is tough. That depending on if Booker comes back, and, and that's a big what if. I think Phoenix is able to get by and, and get back to the conference finals. Um, like you mentioned, Will, I, you're leaning more Memphis, Golden State. I, I'm leaning Golden State, so I think those are the teams that cut, that come out of the West. Um, regardless, they've been most of um, they've been the top uh, they've been the top two teams for much of the Western Conference. Albeit Memphis was able to take that top spot uh, during that skid that the Warriors had towards. Uh, the, during March and, and really a lot of the, the losing they did. But like I said, a lot of it had to do with, with Draymond Green being out, in my opinion. Um, in the East, I have Boston. I think Boston will go through uh, the Nets and they'd be able to beat the, the Bucks, especially if they're missing uh, Chris Middleton for, for much, if not all of that series as well, when he'll be dealing with his injury. And Miami and Philadelphia, that's tough. And I'm going to I'm gonna have to lean – Philadelphia in this one to be honest and, and and that really I'd have to mean more just in terms of what, what I've seen Joe Embiid do albeit it's against a, a Toronto team that similar to, to Denver they've looked outmatched in, in much of the series and a lot of inexperience with them 
Um, when when you see it, you see some pieces of their 2019 championship team, but a lot of it is is new and a lot of youth in that in that Raptors team. But I think Philadelphia, I I'm leaning towards them edging out Miami, but I think that'll be one of those other uh, toss up series where I could I could see either team uh, coming away with a win. Let's say you will. Yeah, um, I would probably say out of the East. I would probably, man, I can see, I can see Philadelphia, Boston, Eastern Conference Finals. And of that, man, I will say Philadelphia, Boston, I'll take Philadelphia. And then out of the West, man, my mind tells me not to go R. Kelly, but my mind's telling me no. But um, they shouldn't be here because of their youth and their perceived inexperience. But that Memphis squad, man, it's something. It's something about them. It's something about them. They give zero. Cares, <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> they, yeah, I, oh, Philadelphia, Memphis. It's not sexy. It's not what the networks want to see, but Philadelphia, Memphis. Why not? Why not? Yeah, that that certain that would be one one heck of a, a finals, especially um, you know coming off last season and and. When you had Phoenix and Milwaukee, it would certainly be back-to-back years where, I mean, I mean, you would have thought early uh, when the first season started that, that Memphis would be not only in the, in the position they had, the, the strong year that they had, but like you said, they're, they're legitimate championship contenders this year. If they can get to the finals, that would certainly be, um, you know, amazing for them, but surprising for a lot of people, especially when you look back at, at like I said, the journey that they've had to go through. Um, and, and just a stretch where they've been dominant, especially, albeit the Rockets aren't good, but every time that, that Houston and Memphis match, more often than not, Memphis got the better of them, I, I, albeit that's the Rockets. I, I believe the Rockets um, took one from them in Houston this season, um, but Memphis certainly has been dominant throughout. Now, the thing that, that gives me pause in terms and why I give Golden State the edge is just what we've seen um, so far and gone in this series against Minnesota and they have been a lot more inconsistent now they've been able to get away with it I think because in part Timberwolves has just been inexperienced I mean you certainly saw that in game three I don't think the Warriors if if Memphis stays as inconsistent I don't think the Warriors are a team where they can you know fall certainly not as big of a hole like if you look back at game three and be able to dig themselves out of it and that's why I give Golden State the edge now um, you pick so you have Memphis and Philadelphia in the finals. I, do. I would I would go with, hmm, and this is tough. I said I think, and this is gonna be real. If Devin Booker is able to get back, I I give the Suns the edge over Golden State, um, just because they've been clear cut the most dominant team, um, and a good portion of that 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 was you know they missed key players as well during the season. Uh, Chris Paul dealt with his. Uh, injury around the All-Star break and, and beyond. But so they, they know what it's like to without to play with, um, or they know what it's like to play without one of those 
uh, guards in the backcourt. And, and once they get to the conference finals, I'd imagine um, assuming that Booker's back for them, I'll give them the edge. And then the East, I, yeah. I'm taking Boston over uh, Philadelphia in that series, just in terms of what they've been able to do. Their defense seems to be on another level. And, and like you, you mentioned the struggles that, that they've, you know, forced Kevin Durant into this in this series. Um, Kevin Durant's one of the toughest players to guard, and, and uh, I've seen him firsthand in terms of what he was able to do. Now, granted, that was before the injuries. What he did with the Warriors when when they played Houston those two playoff series, but um, they've certainly done a phenomenal job creating, uh, you know, forcing them to struggle and and really just be out of rhythm now. Granted, we're, we're recording this before Game 3, and for whatever reason, Kevin Durant could flip the switch, and that's a completely different series. But as of now, I'm taking Boston. When it comes to Phoenix and Boston in the finals, oof, that is tough. But I think I think it might be a redemption arc, and I, I think Phoenix uh, has it this season. Let's say you will. Who, who do you have in the championship? Who do you have winning the championship between Memphis and Philadelphia? Oh, don't make me do this. We got to. We got uh-huh. to. Ah, uh, let's see. And by the way, before I do that, Kendrick Davis just announced he's playing for Memphis. Yes, sir. Just saw that. Mm. Woo, that that is surprising. Now, um, we saw a comment here from uh, King Jaja. He he said that the streets uh, were saying that he was going to Memphis, and and that that was where it had been. Uh, uh, there was certainly a lot more uh, buzz pimp heading towards there. I think his his final five were Houston, Memphis, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, and um, okay. Kansas. Um, and and that's certainly that's an interesting decision when you look at uh, potentially uh, whatever punishments might be handed down. I mean, they're coming. You're not necessarily sure how strict they are in terms of the NCAA and violations that that uh, the Memphis and and program has faced the past few years i think that's a bit of a it's an interesting decision i'll say that would say you would do you have any thoughts on that yeah first thought i had was there's a there's a jet right now leaving indianapolis headquarters of the ncaa headed to memphis that's all that's the first thought is that ncaa is coming a situation like that i mean the ncaa is already have has had the magnifying glass on on Coach Penny Hardaway in Memphis since James Wiseman, and so that was my initial thought. Like, oh, okay, the NCAA is looking, but outside of that, um, we just take it on the surface. I mean, Coach Penny Hardaway, what 13, 14, 15 year NBA player, played with Shaq, played in the NBA Finals. Knows what it takes to get to the league. On the surface, what kid would not want to go to Memphis? Right. Just looking at it from that perspective, he's a, he's he's young enough. He's relatable. He can relate to the kids. He can, he knows what it takes to get to the league. He has connections in the league. So on the surface, you look at it like why why would you not want to go there as a high school kid? But then you look at all the other side issues, the NCAA and James Wiseman and whatever, whatever. And, you know, my um, uh, the young man, Imani Bates, that just left. And I don't, so I, I don't know. But on the surface, I mean, congrats to Coach Penny. I mean, that's a huge pickup for his program. 
Yeah, certainly. And and even going back to this past season with, with Memphis and uh, really the struggles that they had uh, just getting out of the gates in the season. Uh, and really it took them towards the end of January to, to finally turn the tide and, and be able to make that run. Um, and kudos to them. They were able to turn the ship and, and make a run into, into the NCAA tournament and uh, won their first round game. And, and to be quite frank, they gave Gonzaga a run for their money in that second round uh, game. So, like you said, certainly Penny Hardaway, he has the connections, he has the, the credibility, he has the, the respect. And and, and um, just like you said, that, that really makes a lot of difference, especially when you look at a lot of these younger players, uh, especially a guy like Davis, where um, certainly one of his goals that, that he'd like to do, especially after the, the last few years with, with SMU, would be to get in an NCAA tournament, um, which, which depending on what, comes down with with the NCA would be interesting to see what, what those violations are but um, he's much more focused on the next step beyond basketball once his collegiate career does end and regardless how be it if if say for for worse Memphis is disqualifying they can't go to the NCA tournament in 2023 um, perhaps Davis is looking beyond and then trying to to get uh, into the NBA and and play professional somewhere and and I'm, like you said I'm sure that's a big factor into why he chose uh, Memphis but certainly interesting when you when you look at the options um I know he had Houston in his final five but um I don't know in terms of fit how that would have worked with Jamal Shedd uh who Houston already has I mean Kendrick Davis uh, I can't remember if it's the official SMU website or it might be ESPN but they have them listed at 511 and Jamal Shedd was 6-1, and you still have the potential of Marcus Sasser potentially coming back, and obviously, of course, Jamal Mark, and that's list, list off the, the number of guards that Houston has, but I, I don't think that would have necessarily been the best fit. It would have certainly been interesting if had he chosen Houston, but um, when you look at Memphis, I think it, it's more of a beyond uh, the collegiate level. Um, well, anything else you'd like to add in terms of that? No, 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 that... I mean, it's interesting. I, I just want to be interesting to see how it plays out. For sure. And before we wrap things up, Will, I'm not going to let you go. I still need you to pick between oh, yeah. Memphis, Memphis and Philadelphia. And yeah, Memphis and Philly. You know what? Man, Memphis is the upstart. First time there. I know you're not supposed to say this, but, you know, they have time to be back. But, you know, there's no guarantee that they will be back if they were to make it, but mm-hmm. he's taking so much flack, so much heat, so much criticism. I I, I want to see, uh, mm, I'll go Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers in Philadelphia to win the chip. Uh, and B, who I believe is the mm-hmm. MVP of the league this year. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Philadelphia. You know, I mentioned when I said uh, Phoenix, I picked Phoenix to win it all. And I, I dubbed it a redemption arc. That would certainly be for Philadelphia when you look across the board. Uh, like, certainly Doc Rivers getting back to, to the championship, going back to 2008 with the Celtics. Um, that would be big for him and, and Joel Embiid um, being able to accomplish and, and win a ring. But, I mean, redemption for Harden, for Daryl Morey, for um, a lot in those organizations, that would be one interesting storyline. Um, and before we wrap it up, so, uh, Will, I, I'll toss this over to you and I'll, I'll put it on the screen. King Jaja going back to, to Memphis and, wow. and uh, Kendrick Davis's decision to 
to join Memphis, King Jaja said, I'm sorry, but name one player who has improved for Memphis since Penny was hired. Oh, you're uh, King Jaja, you're right. Uh, I can't. I can't. And I don't know that. Yeah, but you're right. I, I won't pretend to say that there is one. I, there was one. I'm just, if you're asking me about the, why well, I mentioned the things I, I did about his, his NBA pedigree, I mean, I'm thinking as a 17-year-old high school kid, you know, do I want to play for Bill Self or do I want to play for Penny Hardaway? Do I want to play for Mark Adams or do I want to play with Penny Hard play for Penny Hardaway? With all due respect, do I want to play for Kelvin Sampson or do I want to play for Penny Hardaway? Penny played with Shaq. Enough said. That's that that's that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm not saying, you know, is, is he an X's and O coach? Clearly no. But to a 17-year-old kid, Penny can get Shaq on the phone. That's it. Yeah, that certainly does a lot. Now, it's it's interesting you said. You said a 17-year-old. I mean, Kendrick Davis is in yeah. a unique, unique spot where uh, he's been through the college ranks and he still chose Penny. So that's that's interesting for him um, and, and the situation he's in. Um, I, we weren't able to touch on him much in this episode, but um, the, the NIL might, might, might have been a big factor. NIL. Um, but. Yeah, you can't see me, but yeah, yeah, NIL. You can only imagine the, the air quotes that I'm, yeah. <laughs> the FOPs. Uh, Remember, Penny was in blue chips. The FOPs, yeah. the friends of the program. I'll just, I'll say that. For sure. And on that note, we'll wrap things up for this week's episode of Folks Talking Sports. Um, once again, like we let off with the show, we were unable to be joined by Really, the the person this whole show revolves around the creator, a Chris Gardner, uh, who if if you are the religious person, if you are a spiritual person, please be sure to keep keep his mother in your prayers and and just really um, the health of scare that that she's battling through right now. We, we could really use the positive support, uh, any positive energy vibes that, that you could send, and just um, be sure to to keep her in your prayers. Um, going forward, uh, Willie, I'll give you the floor. Where can people find you, sir? Appreciate it. Echo that as well. Definitely praying for uh, Mrs. Gardner, Chris, and and, and the family. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Will Gibson Seven. Uh, Facebook on uh, Will knows uh, Will knows uh, Facebook page. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And and um, you can find me on Twitter at Aon is underscore five. Uh, Wendy, this was a blast. Thank you for, for joining the show and then us being able to, to carry the flagship uh, with Chris gone. And it was certainly fun being able to go through all the, the first round playoff series and give our predictions. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we're, we're right or if we're way off. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to be with you. For sure. And with that, we'll be closing out.